everyone, welcome to this Tuesday's episode of Capital Sports 2.0. I am your host, Alan Moore. Uh, an awful lot to get through today, um, and I don't think we're going to have time for it, but we're going to give it our best shot. As America burns and protests take place around the world, signaling that, yes, we're virtuous and we stand with those oppressed people abroad, we kind of uh, don't really see the oppressed people in our own homeland. And of course, um, in this age of social distancing, when people have to use their brain, it seems that those people who went at the protests in many places left their brains at home. To get started, we're going to go straight away to two men, to our man in Siberia, to Andrew Flint. Andrew, um, there's a lot going on, and uh, I, I really don't know how to get my teeth into it. Then, as German football is, as we know, obviously in full flow at the moment, they've restarted reasonably successfully on their on the basic COVID-19 preparation front. And we've seen a number of players. Uh, we've seen Marcus Jerome at Gladbach. We've seen Jaden Sancho reveal a message on his shirt. We've seen Tyler Adams writing on his boots. All messages in support of the Black Lives Matter and justice for George Floyd. And, uh, George Floyd. and it's... Um, these players, they've done this. You can see the individual acts like this. They've done this because it really, really affected them. You know, in the immediate aftermath of this, we've seen, you know, this is the point where it is virtually impossible to completely judge impartially. But clubs, players, organisations are left with absolutely no choice. They simply must, because they have a presence on social media, they must instantly put out their version of support for the protest and it's impossible to judge exactly what the purpose of most of these are now that's going to sound awful and callous the the track record of a lot of these organizations doesn't tally with their now sudden flowing support for what is quite obviously patently a critical issue in world socio-politics shall we say but, and, and that's what doesn't I'd start, I'd stop that. like i mean we we've covered this before of course last on friday night we covered this uh, the whole lot of us together there's myself yourself uh andy mack alex and easels alex has joined us now in just one moment you know i'm looking at the, and something we've covered as well the german bundesliga and when there were racist incidents in germany the bundesliga did nothing you know they when a player reacted to racist taunts they you know find him so now it's, it's a little bit rich, and I saw as well the PFA in England, the Professional Footballers Union in England, who have done so much to actually damage like, any kind of like, progress, uh, and especially now their absolute ineptitude in relation to coronavirus and sort of hagging for money instead of looking after players' lives, and not exactly coming out and backing Afro-Caribbean or uh, coloured English players who they basically haven't backed when they've taken a stance and said, listen, we don't want to go because there's a disproportionate amount of BAME, uh, Black Asian Middle Eastern people who are falling ill with coronavirus in, in the UK. So we're not going to train. The PFA has not said a word about that. And suddenly they're joining this Blackout Tuesday thing. Um, I just go straight to Alex for one second, Andrew. Well, you're in Toronto, or where are you right now? I'm still in Toronto, yeah, nothing crazy today. Okay, so you're not out protesting, setting fire to, like, footlockers or anything like that? No, but I was at a party with John Jones in the, over the weekend. So. <laughs> All right, okay. I'm just going to continue on now about football in just a moment, because there's, <laughs> like, there's some very, uh, kind of, let's say, hypocritical kind of actions by especially clubs in England. Um 
how has the reaction been, especially on social media, amongst U.S. sports stars? We've spoken about, uh, well, Weston McKinney, for example, the uh, U.S. national men's national team player. Uh, I somehow knew you were going to ask just this. I have all the statements right in front of me. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> beautiful, yeah. beautiful, baby. Let's start off with Michael Jordan. He posted a very long sort of, kind of like a little essay, kind of talking about how saddened he is by this. Uh, LeBron James has been very vocal. He's posted he's posted a picture of uh, the police officer who's standing on George Floyd's neck side by side with a picture of Colin Kaepernick. And it says, this is why. Yeah. Um, the official Ohio State football team has spoken out about Black Lives Matter. The Miami Marlins, Tom Brady has spoken out. And um, many more, many more, obviously. This has been huge. Just, uh, yeah, just the biggest stars are using their platforms to speak out about this. So this just shows how big this really is. Been very interesting for me in this whole situation. When I'm watching news talk shows, whether it be CNN, Fox, Sky, Russia Today, uh, First Shown, BBC, it doesn't matter where, there's people talking at each other. And a lot of time talking a load of nonsense. Um, but when I see actually the most constructive debate or constructive conversation taking place is on sports shows and on sports channels. Where, because, for example, a lot of the guys like, say, American footballers, black lads, white lads, who've all come to college together, high school, even to in, if they're in different high schools, they come to college together, they go on to play in the NFL together. And they're in the same dressing room and they hang out together. Same in basketball. Uh, so they, uh, for me, I think all these athletes should be the people who should be speaking up. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, Alex. Maybe I've, I've misinterpreted the situation in North America. No, I think you're absolutely correct on this. This is obviously like all the teams in the U.S. are very mixed. So there's people from everywhere. There's people from like Europe. There's people from like South America. There's obviously all sorts of people. So obviously athletes, they're kind of obviously like they're not very you know, racism isn't very popular amongst them because they have, you know, NBA players, football players. That's why Tom Brady has spoken out because he's played alongside all these African-American football players who are great at their jobs. So, like, yeah. why would, you know, why, why would he have a, why would he not speak out in their defense? Andy Mack, uh, I know, you've, I know you're, you're hard at work today. Have you been surprised by some of the kind of, well, what I, I was terming as virtue signaling from some of the big companies like Nike, you know, which has a very, actually non-existent rep representation of minorities at the top table. Well, I, I think there's a there's a very fine line at the moment between standing up for what is right in this case and instigating more problems during a time where there's still lockdowns happening all across America, and you've got thousands upon thousands of people mingling in with each other, not really paying much attention to it. It seems to almost forgotten at the moment, almost in the in the US media and the coverage of it. People do have to make a stand. There's a lot of role, role models uh, of people that, you know, tweeting up Serena Williams. We saw the Bundesliga football uh, players taking a knee, T-shirt protests. Also, at the same time, I mean, the rioting that's going with it and everything is is not doing anyone any favours whatsoever. If, if they're going to get anything out of this, they need to, <laughs> to, to have a rethink, maybe get people back inside, find another way to do this. Because uh, at the moment, it's, it's not really helping or working. Andy, is that kind of a case of like, if a tree falls in a forest, 
and a CNN camera crew isn't there to record it? Does it make a sound? Well, uh, yeah, you, you, I think you, you probably hit the nail on the head here. I mean, this obviously, yes, this is a very tragic case, um, the, the one of George Floyd. But I mean, all of these protesters that are out at the moment, they're potentially risking thousands more lives. for <laughs> yes, a, a, a tragic death. But I mean, is, is, is that better or worse to, to then put other people at danger or at risk as well by doing that? Um, I, I don't think so. I think it should be, it, it could be done very, very differently. Yeah, and of course, you're not just talking about um, the violence in the streets or smashing up places and looting. You're talking as well about spreading coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the, there is no social distancing whatsoever. Uh, the police have been criticised, but I mean, in, in a lot of cases, I think they're, they're, they're doing only what they can. Uh, yes, there have been a few disgusting incidents with them using vans and stuff to try and drive through crowds. I mean, yeah, that's completely unforgivable. But I mean, their hands, they have a, a very difficult job to do at the moment. And unfortunately, one or four idiots um, have caused such a huge crisis at the moment that um, it's, you know, can you really criticize all of them for the actions of four? I'm not, I'm not so sure. No, I mean, of course, we like you know, it's this isn't this isn't isolated in terms of in North America to racial incidents or this anti-fascist kind of nonsense. I mean, usually after a Stanley Cup win or a you know, usually Stanley Cup win, I think it's usually it follows that there are riots. Is that correct, Alex B? Uh, yes, yes, that is. Um, normally, like when things like this happen in the United States, riots do happen. Okay, that's fair enough. Andrew, um, following up from what Andy Max said, uh, yeah, it's 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 terrible what that what happened to to Mr. Floyd. It's a disgrace. Protesting then automatically leads to violence. Who is guilty in that case? I mean, is it the police to have the police provoked it, or or is it like a few kind of as we always say regarding football hooligans, just a minority of idiots? I think it's. I think it's a, and this is not mean to sit on the fence, but I, I generally think it's a, co- it's a combination of some overzealous policing um, and some rather senseless protesting. And it's, it's not the message. Of, fairly obviously, I do want to make this clear, just in case we have some Georgian listeners or others who are not overly keen on our message. <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not arguing with what people are protesting about. Fairly obviously, it's just. I mean, on one side, you can't blame people who are just so enraged by what is going on. Um, I think the, the one simple answer is the way that this ought to move forward, but we know for what it won't, um, is that the four police officers basically should be hung out to dry at this point. They should be prosecuted extremely... I mean, I'm, it's going to sound unfair, but they need to, a, a case needs to be made so that others don't need to be made in the future, so that the protesters at least say, well, okay... That's the that's the sort of action in theory that a protesters ought to be content with. Um, well, I say content with it's, it's a long term issue that needs to be dealt with. But in the short term, when we're talking about the riots here, um, that certainly certainly would help. I think. Um, but then you've got to also remember that these incidents that get filmed and are thrown around and go viral within seconds of police brutality. That's giving you a snapshot. I'm not saying it is not representative. 
but the point is, we don't genuinely know. Unless you really are on the ground in every US city, you cannot genuinely give us a full picture. Um, there are pictures, there are examples I've seen of, of police um, standing politely while the protesters are being polite. There's one Once I saw a clip of a policewoman who came out, gave a hug to the nearest protester and said, the protest said, thank you for being calm. And the policewoman said, thank you for being respectful. There could be hundreds of examples like that, but they're not going viral because they don't grab your attention as much as firebombs, Molotov cocktails and people volleying flares. It's, um, it's impossible to get a full picture. And it's very easy to get swept along with when you see uh, two or three pictures together on social media and make that the picture. Um, so it's a combination for me. And, and this, this is as Alex, Alex B rightly pointed out and something that has been ignored largely and and i made a mistake myself i said oh there's like costco target walmart being attacked and looted because that's the one where the um the cameras were that's where like cnn were covering that's where that's what was kind of like a major kind of like uh, selling point the kind of small and medium business people who have already been hit very hard by, by the coronavirus and then they get their places smashed up and looted even like uh, Republican uh, representative, sorry, Brendan Boyle, who is a Democrat, who's very much anti-Trump, who's very much open and progressive. He had his uh, campaign headquarters looted and smashed. This is a guy who has done so much for minorities in his community and he had it smashed up. Right now in Canada, how is the Canadian uh, media covering this situation? The Canadian media is, I'd say it's covering the situation about the same as it's being covered in the U.S. Uh, there is a lot of support for the, <clears throat> for the protesters here. There's, there's been protests in Toronto. There's going to be another one, I think, today or tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, I think just everything that uh, these two gentlemen already said up to this point, it's, yeah, that's, it's very... Um, there's this huge disparity in what you see on the news because there is, you know, as Andrew Mack said, the police are just, you know, driving over crowd and stuff like that. But at the same time, I've seen videos where there's a black man guarding his, you know, sitting in his own bar that's already destroyed, got guarding his safe because people are trying to come in and take his safe. Uh, yeah, so like that's been kind of the big thing. And the other thing is that, you know, there's rarely in the United States, is there a point where something is more important than an unarmed black man being killed by police? But I think this is that one situation where, you know, the coronavirus, which affects, you know, everybody equally, even in the United States, which is still the number one country when it comes to active cases and deaths. Yeah, I just don't yeah. think that this is what they should be doing right now. Yeah, I mean, again, this goes back to what Andy Mack said, you know, um, the kind of social distancing element of it. When I saw in Dublin, thousands and thousands of people walking, it's a bank holiday Monday, the weather is scorching, and people are walking through Dublin, sweating, hugging each other, thinking it's great. I was like, you absolute, if they were here in Moscow, I'd call them cockwombles, absolute, inconsiderate, foolish clowns. And, you know, it, it just, it, it upsets me to see that because, it, it's a terrible situation, and I keep going back to a couple of things. Alex, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to focus on you for a second. You played b-ball in a schoolyard with um, <laughs> coloured people, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. And you grew up with them. Now, this, is, this isn't the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm not going to say like that. You know, you kind of mess with a couple of guys who are up to no good, and then your mom yes. scared and like slapped you upside the head and said, don't be such a little bitch, go back out and play. No, 
That's kind of like Channing Tatum and Coach Carter. Has been story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're there, mom. These uh, like these guys beat me up. And look, if I went home and told my mom, mom, these guys like took my like basketball or beat me up, she'd slap me and send me back. You know, she's like, "What are you doing?" Like, yeah, you know, and, and you're so, to, yeah. Okay, to be completely honest, nothing like that has ever, like, nothing even close to that has ever happened to me. Yeah, I've been playing basketball, like, for, you know, in the summers, I would go out every day to, like, the inner city community basketball court, and nothing ever, like, along that line would happen to me. This is what I, I want to, I want to, this is what I wanted to focus on, because I've heard a lot of this, and I've seen a lot of it on social media, and I've, I've heard a lot of it, and I've seen these people putting up their, just a kind of a black thing, like, uh, blackout Tuesday or black Tuesday and so on and they're all everyone on Facebook good friends of mine uh, you know well-known people are doing it and I want to ask every single one when was the last time you spoke to a person of color when's the last time you did that or when's the last time you didn't play the game of basketball or went out and you know sat out and had a chat with them or had a zoom with them yeah like, I mean well, do, you, do you understand me Alex yeah yeah I mean like it's obviously like all this like like racial like divide like it's obviously like it's very foolish at this point like it's been proven that it's not it's not real so the people that still live in that still living kind of like it's not even living in the past it's just believing in something that you choose to believe in for your own sake that's kind of what i think racism is yeah obviously now at this point i just think it's it's just like people are it's just not a popular opinion at all and it's fading away like we see the pfa in england and they're bigging up Marcus Rashford, and they put up their black thing and say, oh, it's so important. There's still horrendous sectarian abuse doled out. And not just from one side as well. I'm not just saying it's all Celtic or it's all Rangers. There's two sides who do it. And yet people just kind of like laugh about it and they ignore it. So when it's in our own, and we've seen it, you've pointed out before as well, the amount of racism that's around English football. And yet they point at Bulgaria, Ukraine, and Russia and say, oh, look at all them done by Nazi racists over there. And it, it happens at home. Do you think there's even, even, even a point in them being so hypocritical? And why isn't anybody pointing this out? Well, it's all well and good when, when something like this happens. And everyone, like you mentioned, people that would never, ever, uh, on any other given day, go out and protest for, for black rights or Black Lives Matter or anything like that. But as soon as something, a tragedy happens, everybody rallies around and, and posts something. I mean, it's, it's, it's pointless. It doesn't really achieve anything. And everybody kind of forgets about it one month later and goes back to doing nothing. Uh, and it's definitely the same, I think, with racism in sport. Anytime that there is an incident that occurs... Mm everyone kind of jumps on the bandwagon for a few weeks. They'll highlight all of the issues and then it goes quiet again for months on end. Uh, there's no sort of consistent campaign that you see regularly, regularly, regularly to, to push people out. It's, let's deal with it on a sort of case by case basis. Once that's done, we'll wait. And yeah, I mean, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, the, the, the PFA, the English football, British football, whatever will point and, and mock the, the situation in Eastern Europe, in, in Russia, in terms of racism. Uh, and you could probably link it back to the US at the moment with the fact that, you know, they were saying the China, uh, police in, in Hong Kong were acting absolutely disgustingly, but they won't mention what their own police are doing when it comes to their own protests. If, if anything is going to be achieved, it needs to be done on a, on a daily basis. 
um, and not just highlighting it on a case by case thing when it comes up and especially when there's something tragic that's happened and I, that's the only way that I can see that this is ever going to change is that there needs to be stricter punishments it has to be a daily occurrence it can't just be uh, that's terrible let's do something about it and then weeks later you know we're looking at another case somewhere else so like I'm, I'm looking at people who who very rarely get on to and this is no word of a lie you, can, you check it folks on facebook look at friends of yours who don't usually post that much on facebook but they sort of pop up and look at their profile photos and i guarantee you today will be black a year ago or maybe a couple of years ago you'll see a french flag there's a or, sweet furry. I, I you know i did, i have a, i have a, a very good friend who has lived in paris for a long time and is married to a, a parisian and all of the friends, and is, you, you mentioned Facebook specifically, all of our friends, we have a Facebook chat, and I remember specifically that attack. And um, this was after the, if I remember correctly, the Charlie Hebdo magazine made yeah. uh, published a cartoon which was offensive about the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah. Um, correct me if I make a mistake there. Um, the unbelievable groundswell of support for somewhere that's very nice and attractive and that people might actually visit and feels closer to home seem to have more effect in the in a in a, such a groundswell and today i've seen all of my friends just like you mentioned timelines are full of the the black box and um black tuesday and just instinctively i i couldn't really explain this at the time but the way what the what you guys have both just said has actually explained in my own mind why i didn't I didn't even like the post. I didn't do it myself because I feel like if I'm going to set an example, I can only like something like that if I set a good enough, consistent example. Um, I do believe I'm as inclusive as I possibly can be, but it's, it's this whole, it goes back to that virtue signaling, be seen to be liking it rather than yeah. actually liking it, be seen to be supporting rather than actually actively supporting. There are good examples out there, good role models out there, who are doing a hell of a lot of good work. Marcus Rashford has done a huge amount to raise millions for families that are, are, are suffering financially because of the COVID crisis in Manchester. And he's a good role model to take example of, and he's not the only one. So it's not all bad. It's just how people understand it and want to be seen to be understanding it. That is the biggest problem. The, the, um, it, there is a thing about coming down on the right side of history, which is fine and all well and good. Um, there's that thing of like kind of momentarily doing it and then moving on to the next kind of like crying. It's kind of like the women, I met them in Croatia, who get paid to go to funerals. They, they go and they cry. And they, they, they kneel down and then they get their money or a bottle of rakia, and then they go home. So they get paid to go to funerals and to cry. Politicians in Ireland, famous or notorious for going to every single funeral. And they'd be there to shake the hands of all the mourners as they come out. Why? Because next time at the election, they'll remember that, oh, yeah, there, Paddy Joe, he was at the, he was at so-and-so's funeral. You know, so there's this kind of like cachet, kind of this a bit of respect. And when I saw Nike quite recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they, were, they had this kind of um, video uh, about coronavirus, basically about coronavirus. And it was like a rogues gallery of absolute scum. You know, Nadal, you've got Serena Williams, you've got all these people who were just like, oh, goodness, I mean have done everything to sort of kill sport and then they're, they're headlining and then today Nike have up their black square you know and I'm thinking black lives matter for Nike for example with the Nike Origin project they've been 
in making sure that to be successful, they're pumping drugs into the veins of black people. So they can run better, jump higher. There's a, there's a little bit of a distance there for me. Floyd Mayweather Jr., lovely, lovely man who kind of uh, his fists have never met a woman that they didn't like, offered to pay and was accepted for Mr. Floyd's, uh, his funeral. Just seeing that Floyd Mayweather is giving money away just like that just shows you how bad the situation really is. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, but as I was saying, first of all about Nike, the, I actually wanted to remind you that they were the, they are the official sponsor of Colin Kaepernick's campaign. So yeah. when this was yeah. already after he became the, after he was playing football, this is when he already started taking a stand. That's when their rating, that's when, no, sorry, not their ratings there. That's when Nike, their stock started to go down because of that. Like all that started happening. Yeah. So yeah, like as, as you've yeah. said, they're maintaining like a very, like all these big companies are maintaining a very interesting stance on, on this because like, you know, they don't, they say they, they post all this stuff showing that they do care, but no, they don't really show it. Many at the top table in Nike are like yeah. either Hispanic or African American or Asian or even Russian. Listen, before we go to, back to Andy Mack, because he's he's there busy pumping out the headlines for Russia today. Alex, uh, you, you were with uh, John Jones at the weekend. I hope not in Las Vegas. I'm afraid it was in Las Vegas. <laughs> so what ha- what happened with you and Big John? Like the things about John Jones was that he's kind of been known as the guy that could have been the greatest fighter of all time by a landslide if he just didn't do half the things he did. You know, he's kind of been his own enemy his whole life. And in the beginning of the of the quarantine, if you remember, he actually had a situation where he fired a gunshot. And That's right. He you was told sitting, us about that. Yeah. Drinking, yeah. drinking tequila in his car, right? And he got yeah. arrested for that. New, so the biggest things about him, I'm just going to say that the bad thing, or like the sort of, I don't know. I'm going to give you the mediocre news real quick before I get to the good news. Uh, so the John Jones, this earlier today, he's been, well, actually yesterday, he started talking about separating with the UFC because after uh, heavyweight contender Francis Ngannou destroyed his opponent in under a minute, John Jones wanted to fight Francis, but it's a very dangerous fight, so he wanted to get paid $10 million for that. Now He's a heavyweight, isn't he? Because John Jones is... John Jones is a light... He's a light light heavyweight champion. So to make that fight, he would have to either go up or Francis would have to go down. Yeah. But he was ready to relinquish the title and go up if he were to get paid $10 million, which is insane in MMA. Conor McGregor doesn't get paid $10 million for fighting on on one night. Yeah. So he wants the fight, but at the same time, he's ready to split with the UFC. He's He's been sort of in and out on a lot of these things. But he has been very vocal about the protests. And he, him, both him and Chuck Liddell, who's also a late heavyweight champion, but from a different era, uh, they were both at different protests, kind of playing peacemaker, defending, the, defending people's properties and just defending people being safe. Yeah. So John Jones was taking away spray cans from people who were trying to spray all over people's businesses oh and uh, right right that's so yeah that's again that's the thing with john jones you never really know what you're gonna get with john because ju- just yesterday he he had this whole scandal again about how he's not getting paid enough because he was actually just angry that uh boxers are getting paid more than him which is again yeah i mean i could see why he would make that argument considering that he's never really lost a fight in his whole career and he's been around for yeah but chuck, chuck liddell too i just wanted to mention chuck liddell what he's been doing because he's been 
in the middle of the protests. So when people were getting aggressive, he would go, he would suppress them. He was kind of just making sure, you know, people were safe, nobody was fighting, nobody was rioting, and nobody was looting. Whenever I've been hearing about uh, UFC, for example, he's been there for, I always think he's quite old. As in, like, he's in his 40s or something like that, like, you know? But he's right. only 32. Yeah, he's, he's still very young. Yeah, he, because he came into the sport at a very young age. He was the youngest light heavyweight champion in UFC history at 21 years old, I think. So, yeah, that just uh, – Dana White, you know, went on record saying that John Jones is undeniably the greatest of all time. Now, if John Jones hadn't made, you know, those mistakes like the – like doing all those drugs that landed him all those suspensions, you know, that made him miss really good years in his career. Yeah. You know, yeah. those – the hit and run, like all those things that, you know, all his legal problems that just keep coming, coming, you know, and now it's just been, you know, getting even crazier for him. I don't know what he's going to do, but, you know, I hope he does well for himself. I really but do. It, at least it shows he's taken a, a community leader role by, you know, t- I, I, I've seen it where people have reacted or been out with the police and they've, they've, you know, stopped these people from, for example, breaking up concrete slabs to use as missiles. Like yeah, there, there has been, there, there's been videos about, you know, people who are not peaceful at all. There has been, you know, I saw a video where there are three police officers, two men, you know, both above the age of 60, clearly, and a middle-aged woman. And now there's like this crowd of like 20 or so young men that were just pushing them down and kicking them and just screaming at them and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they were very proud of what they did, that they just beat up three police officers. But it's like, okay, they're, these are pretty much two old, old men and a middle-aged woman that both have to get that, you know, all of them have to go back to their families and talk about that. So I've been very, you know, kind of happy to see all these mixed martial artists and professional fighters and you know legends of the sport come out and just play peacemaker they're just you know not fight anybody just make sure people weren't fighting because you know people know who they are and you know you don't want to be fighting john jones (laughs) yeah sober or drunk or drugs or no never you don't want to mess listen this is a guy this is a guy that beat you know this is his own words he beat daniel cormier after a weekend of cocaine andy mack which is i think one of the greatest quotes sir for sure andy mack after a weekend of cocaine what could you beat <laughs> uh, an addiction <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry listen andy mack i want you, you've been i know because i know i don't want to put too much pressure because i know you're you are making a moment uh you know, from you look into news at the moment, what's the there for you in terms of like sports reactions or sports clubs or people's reactions to the whole situation? It's a, it's a difficult one. You obviously you want to support your black players. You want to uh, make sure that that they have the relevant support and make sure that within your own institutions, organisations, and clubs that these kind of things aren't happening and that they're not alone. Um, I, I kind of expected the reaction to be a little bit a little bit bigger. Uh, I, it's it's a difficult one because uh, it, it's situations like this. I think where where athletes, sports stars, or whatever, actually then turn around and speak out. So you've got the likes of Lewis Hamilton saying that he stands alone in in Formula One, etc. It's like, well, why haven't you been saying that for the rest of the year or for your whole career? Why aren't you making a bigger deal out of it when when tragedies aren't happening? Why does it have to be now? Um, why does it take something like that to, to, to trigger such a reaction? Why aren't clubs doing it all the time? 
Um, and it kind of rolls back to what I said before. And I think if they did that all the time, there would be a greater respect and greater appreciation. Um, but at the same time, are you then also highlighting an issue that people will get fed up with or get angry about or might not be, you know, for people that are racist or look at it and saying, why is there so much focus being given to this and not something else? So it's a vicious circle where I think you can do too much and it will have the same effect as if you do too little. Um, and that's just unfortunately the way of the world. Um, I did expect a bigger reaction, to be honest, but um, it, it's such, a, it's such a, a, a difficult topic for so many clubs. And obviously now that football, especially in Europe, um, is, is such a mixed bag of cultures and people and skin colour and languages, uh, there is always going to be this kind of difficulty in, in getting the balance right to making sure that people grasping onto the idea that this is racism actually no it's not it sometimes it's just the fact that people don't know um you know they're not caring enough they're not maybe looking out for something and just because one player thinks that they're maybe being neglected or something they automatically think that it's because of their skin color or because of their culture um it, it's so difficult for clubs to make a proper stand on it um and so i think it, it's kind of down to those individual stars to make sure to, to, to make their voices heard and, and, and certainly get the younger generations of children who are watching them and learning from them and looking up to them to, to encourage them to, to stamp it out in for, for the next generation of, of sport, sports stars and, well, just everyone effectively across every community around the world. Andrew, Andrew, uh, you've got 10 seconds to convince me Russia is not instigating this racial uh, strife in America. I'd say it's quite a stretch to say that Russia is able to create centuries of instigated, institutionalized racism and lack of leadership. Alex B, is Russia behind this? And if so, how is it? Um, it's, uh, is, this, is this a quiz question? Or is, You've got 10 seconds to say why yes or no. <laughs> uh, I was just... Uh, yes. <laughs> Russia's behind it. <laughs> That's okay. Andy Mack, Russia's behind it. Uh, I've never heard anyone Russian called Derek, so I'm going to say no. Okay. All right.